I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm today's host, Rich Fay, joined as always by Chief City writer Simon Baikowski. Uh, am, am I butchering your name again? We had, we had a chat before we came it on. Was quite, yeah, it was a different time, a different attempt that time, but you know. What, what do you want? Okay, Baikowski, we, we yeah. I, I'm, I'm used to I'm used to a variety of pronunciations, so uh, I'm quite easy about it, to be honest. Okay, thank you very much. Well, that sort of delayed the start of the pod. Oh, yeah, on. I, I once went on uh, Five Live, post post, for like a five minute chat, and I would say the first three minutes of it were the presenter getting the name wrong and then trying to get it right again. Was, Is this giving uh, you flashbacks? Yeah, it is quite traumatic, really. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, thank you very much for this counselling episode of uh, Talking City Podcast. On today's episode, we'll look at the January transfer window and, of course, what happened at the Premier League over the weekend. But there's only one place to start. Omar Barada's late audition for Series 3 of The Traitors. Um, Simon, how how is, how was that Saturday night for you then? Because, what, it dropped five, six o'clock, did it? Yeah, it was about ten past six. Um yeah, very um, caught me unawares, I would say, um, and then out of the blue, it sort of exploded and uh, was quite lively for about twenty minutes, and then sort of simmered down again. But yeah, huge story. United taking one of the most senior executives at at City, um, and yeah, we don't really see those moves very often. We don't see many people sort of crossing the the divide between. Between the clubs, you'd see it a bit more in kind of backgroundy roles, but um, I suppose Omar's was a bit of a background role, but he was also a, a prominent figure of, of the senior leadership team. So a huge statement of intent from United and kind of a, a recognition that City have a lot of very good operatives if one of them who hasn't been um, CEO at City is going to be CEO at United. So a big promotion for him. Of course, United stole Harry Maguire, stole Alexis Sanchez from the clutches of City. Uh, Barada, though, is someone who is highly regarded, isn't he? And it does look like quite a coup from United. They're sort of certainly portraying it from from that point of view. I mean, if we were just to get into the the basics of, of, of Omar Barada, I mean, there were lots of sort of profile pi- pieces written about him, obviously on Saturday night, quite hastily. Who is this guy? What do they do? I mean, in essence... What was his role and what is his role? Because obviously this is for the summer, isn't it? That he will actually be making the move to to United, not immediately. But what has he been tasked with at City? Yeah, it's amazing how many people um, have become experts in what he's done and what he's doing, um, despite having never heard of him before uh, Saturday night. I think. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know I think some at City will have heard of him may have heard of him but he, he was quite in the background um, 
he sort of came to prominence uh, as a director of partnerships um, for quite a few years. So he was involved in a lot of commercial deals. Um, and then he has moved on to become chief operating officer uh, in charge of football. It's quite a big deal. It sounds a big deal in charge of football. Uh, but it, it basically meant he kind of worked under, directly under Cheeky Bagiristan, the sporting director, and Fran Soriano, the CEO. Um, so he was involved in kind of um, still, you know, the financial side of things, but also how the financial side um, played in the transfer market and what scope it gave Cheeky Bagiristan to do his job. And he would also help out um, Cheeky Bagiristan sort of in the market. So, you know, I think it's a stretch to say that Omar led the um, the pursuit and capture of Erling Haaland, but he was certainly heavily involved in the deal with Cheeky. So would he sort of be the guy who it has to sort of reinforce? Because we know that City have this reputation of not overpaying for players and for being very strict with their sort of wage demands and with contract renewals. Would he sort of be not one of the enforcers on that, but is he someone who's sort of reminding them of the financial aspect quite quite a lot? And was he sort of ultimately, I mean, yeah, how much say did he have sort of in things? Did he have much power? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, like I say, he was under sort of Cheeky Bagirison and Ferran Soriano, but he also kind of helped to, to bridge those two um, those two departments because you sort of essentially football and business are two very different entities even though it's the same club. So um, Omar would help um, kind of the 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 money that City had um, help make sure that City got the best value. And you know you mentioned sort of United beating them to Harry Maguire and Alexis Sanchez. Uh, Omar will have been part of the team that decided not to pay for Harry Maguire because it was too expensive. Um, you know, coming up with these strict valuations for players that City have in the market and deciding what is value for their money and what isn't. Um, so he he didn't have as much power as Ferran Soriano. He didn't have as much power as, as Cheeky Bigiriston. But again, I've seen, you know, a few things from from City fans saying like, you know, Omar wasn't one of the big five, um, which again didn't exist before Saturday night, but is seemingly Soriano, Bagiristan, Guardiola, uh, Caldun Al Mubarak, and the Sheikh. Um, so, yeah, he wasn't part of the big five, but he was probably number six. Yeah, he's part of the big six, but not the big five. So, yeah, yeah, does that make him Tottenham in, in that scenario? Yeah, or is it, yeah, he's one of those sort of Martin O'Neill's Aston Villa. Maybe he used to sort of flirt with it quite quite regularly. Uh, I, I mean, that is obviously maybe going to be the narrative from City fans. Obviously, that they want to move on quickly from him. But you know, you've got to look at how City have really transformed as a club since he arrived as well. Because it's not just that they're the best in class on the pitch; they are also best in class off the pitch as well, aren't they? So uh, a big part of that will be down to his commercial growth what they've done just to build the brand and and get that global exposure because I do think sometimes that okay maybe if you've supported City for a long time you don't always see it as much but you will have seen it as well Si going around the world to to watch Man City they have become a behemoth now and I really don't think it'll be long before City are 
I, I know they'll always push numbers and social digits and say, look, we're the biggest club in the world. But legitimately, City are very much going to be like, you know, I know it's tedious, but like Manchester United were in the sort of early 2000s where everyone on the planet almost knew who they were as a club. Omar played a big part in making City or putting City on the pathway to that. Yeah, and also, you know, United are always sort of, uh, it, not mocks, but it's kind of like, you know, United getting like a noodle partner in South China and and everything, like all those little deals that make a big difference and City have kind of done a lot of those deals. And um, I, I think, you know, sometimes United have been proud to say, oh, we're the biggest spenders in the transfer market. And I think under the Glazers, it was kind of seen as like a badge of honour of, you know, how 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 well the Glazers were doing that they were spending all this money. But, you know, if you're spending it on, um, I don't want to say rubbish, but if you're not spending, if you're not getting any returns from your spending, then it's, it's not only pointless, it's counterproductive. So, you know... Um, while Omar Barad has been at City, he's been part of one of probably the best well-run recruitment team in the game. Um, you look at the signings they've made, you look at the signings they haven't made. Uh, it, it, it's hard to think of many misses um, at all, really. For six, seven years, you know, the entirety of, of Guardiola's Rain. So, you know, if Barada is CEO, he will have power over the commercial to do more commercial deals and to get better value for United from those deals. But he will also um, have a say in sort of uh, the money. Because, you know, it's, it's kind of a myth that Pep always gets what he wants because there are plenty of times when the people in charge of the money at City turn around to him and say, no, you can't have Alexis Sanchez. No, you can't have Fred. No, you can't have Harry Maguire and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, it, it, it's about kind of responsible spending, I suppose. As well, I guess there is knowing which players you can maybe break the budget on if you had to and ones who, who have a ceiling and a limit that you should be, be restricted to. Interestingly enough, you know, if you go through Omar's... Uh, Social media activity, he has shared articles titled Manchester United, how did they get into this mess? He's also shared an article called Reports Claim Manchester United Overpaid by £24 million for Angel Di Maria. And he also shared an article called Quietly, Man City are beating United at the Generation Game. Now he's got to try and get United back on track. I suppose the question for you, Si, with your inside information how was this received uh, at City's end do they see it as, as a big loss or a City going to do what they do best and move on and, and replace like they, they tend to do I mean it was quite a bullish response from City um, you know they, their whole system is built on not being um, dependent or over-reliant on any one individual you know when Pep goes we, sh- we we all expect a drop. They are working to make sure that whoever they bring in has as little a drop as possible. Um, Omar will be missed. And, you know, he, I don't think he, it was a decision he took easily. Um, City will miss him, but at the same time, they've kind of made a habit of replacing people who were very important to the business, whether that's... Uh, on the pitch from your sort of Agueros and Hearts and companies and everyone like that or key members of staff off it who choose to go elsewhere so 
he he will be missed, but the message was very much that, you know, this will not change anything in the way that City go about the business. And, you know, they still have Bagiristan and Soriano as the the sort of figureheads in each department. And these are the guys that, you know, everyone around the world uh, knows in those respective parts of their industry. Um, so I don't think we'll see too much change. But, you know, if anything, it, it, it's a warning for City that United are not messing around. Um, you know, I sort of didn't think we'd see the day where United would be United fans would be celebrating taking a city COO, but but there we are. And he's a great appointment and he should do very well for them if he's in the right structure because um he's shown what he can do at City. Um but at the same time City will move on without him because they've got very good people as well. Yeah, I do think that some United fans just expect that they're going to start playing tiki-taka football and scoring goals for fun because Omar Barrage has arrived. I mean, City still have the best manager, the best squad in, in world football. It's not as, as easy as that. But like you said, it is a warning. It is maybe an indication that, look, City are dominant in the Premier League in Europe and in Manchester right now, but United will maybe not be going full Rio Fernand saying we're back, but they will be saying, look, we are as a club certainly making those those moves to try and put put rights to wrongs because there's been a lot of issues and City have been in a great position to take advantage of that as well. Uh, I suppose the question then, Sai, from both camps would sort of be, why would he leave City then? I mean, I know there'll be conspiracy theorists saying he's jumping while he can, but there'll be lots of other people who are saying, look, maybe he just wants a, a different challenge and maybe even he does want to go to a club where he maybe gets a bit more attention, a bit more in the limelight, a bit more authority. Because as he said, he wasn't one of the big five at City, was he? So at United, he, he can be. <laughs> yeah, is it Safari you have a big five? I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I saw him described in, in one report as one of the best CEOs in the world, which is quite incredible considering he's never been a CEO um, at, at City. But, but the work he has done has been has been very good. Um, and yeah, I, I just think, you know, if you are in a position where you sort of key to an organization near the top of it, but directly below, you know, the main two people whose jobs you might be able to do, um, do you wait until June, 2025? If, um, you know, if the end of Pep Guardiola's contract sees the end of Soriano and Bagirison, which there's no indications that 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 there will. Um, you know, Soriano and Bagirison were were in Manchester long before Pep, and it you know may well go on beyond him. So, or if a big opportunity comes up to take charge of of a club, who you know, I. Again, is it too much to describe United as a sleeping giant? You know, they've got that they've got so much more potential than they are showing, I suppose. Um, and if you get a call from Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos and they sell this exciting project to you and say you can be number one, you can be CEO, and you can get you know a big a big promotion, and you don't have to move house or anything like that, you can stay exactly where you are. 
um, and you know the ins and outs of the league in which you're working in and the, the transfer market in which you are operating in across the globe. Um, and you know sponsorship deals and what is market value and what where you can make sort of those, I don't want to say marginal gains, but marginal gains, then uh, maybe it makes sense. You know, there'll be plenty of uh, City fans, I'm sure, upset that someone can have worked at City for a decade and then just switched to United. Um, but, you know, you've got a guy who is a, someone who enjoys taking risks and he is a businessman at the end of the day and he's seen a business opportunity and he's gone for it. Yeah, I guess ultimately, even no matter what happens, he's a lot more well-known now than he was last week. So that's already sort of played Just look into, at his Twitter followers, yeah. Just That's all that matters. And my United <laughs> will tell you that. The trophies in the cabinet, you know, they're ten a penny. But if you're the biggest team on social media, you're doing everything right. I suppose maybe cynical, maybe... I don't know, maybe just trying to join dots that aren't their side. But is there a concern that, I mean, just even from sort of, would I say, sporting integrity or whatever, that does he know City's secrets? Does he know inside information that, you know, maybe will go to United's aid? I mean, surely he could at least arrive at Old Trafford and say, these are the places that you're looking at. Yeah, I'm sure there will be, um, you know, a number of uh, things in his exit that mean that, um, he's not able to simply hand over City's blueprint. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, the City, you, you can't, you know, as Pep says often, you can't just copy and paste. Um, the City blueprint is kind of pretty unique to City. Um, you see people, individuals, sort of players and otherwise leave the club and don't tend to have much success elsewhere um, because it is a very unique and I know I keep contradicting myself because unique can't be pretty unique or very unique but um, there aren't many places in the world in sort of various times I feel like Barcelona was one when Pep yeah, was it's there simple enough to say play tiki-taka football score loads of goals yeah yeah and even now since Guardiola came to English football he has changed the way a lot of teams play right down the pyramid and some do it really well and some do it terribly and and also, um, you know, like anything, it takes time. You know, like Bournemouth at the start of the season under their new manager were pressing horribly and then it clicked and suddenly they're really good. Um, United were really good for 45 minutes against Crystal Palace, weren't they? <laughs> and then, uh, really good. Less, less It's good. also like this season, and last season with the box midfield and seeing what City did there, loads of teams tried to implement yeah. it. But yeah. Unless you've got a John Stones putting a centre-back in midfield doesn't work for you. So yeah, there's lots of imitators, aren't there? Yeah, I think the concern for City um, is that they are losing a very experienced operator and someone who was really good at their job. And it's, you know, in a way like losing Ilkay Gundogan, like how do you replace him? Not easily because you can buy players who are similar, you can appoint people who are similar, but they don't have the experience of the system and the experience of kind of the the city environment. You can replace him as a footballer, but not a person, can't you? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's easier with off-field thing. And, and it's the same that, you know, City have very successfully replaced a lot of people. That would suggest that the system is very good in its design for that. It doesn't mean it's fail-safe. So you can't always 
win everything. And, you know, they get a lot of credit for not signing Harry Maguire, for instance, because they um, wouldn't go up to 80 million. They'd only go to 75, which is fine. And ultimately the right decision. But if you sort of, the big reason why they lost the league title to Liverpool that year was because they didn't sign a centre-back that summer. So it was fine to have those values. And over time, people look back and think, oh, imagine if they'd signed Harry Maguire. And, but you also think, well, imagine if Harry Maguire had come to City and trained under Guardiola. We'd now be talking about him as, you know, a, a really, a, as a better centre-back than people now talk of him as. Um, so I think with Barada going, you sort of, there's no doubt that it is a loss for City and the question for them is can they do what they've done countless times before by you know making that loss so small that you don't really notice it did you have him down as a 100% faithful (laughs) I thought he was on track to to get a higher job at City as long as he stayed around Um, so you know he, he had my seal of approval for what it was worth um, stabbed you in the back as well (laughs) but you know he's I I think the way that people at City are looking at it again I think quite bullishly um, is that uh, he has joined a completely different project Mm. and so he's not part of a really he's not he's not an important part of a really well oiled machine he's a more important part of a machine that's still in its creation and nobody really knows what it looks like because... Some would say know, it's a machine that was sort of outdated 20 years ago, like a VHS or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of the, you know, maybe they're moving into the, the DVD yeah. range now. As much as it's sort of like joining a direct competitor and United will be sort of going for similar commercial deals and players in the market, it, it's sort of, you, you're selling two very different projects um, to sponsors and to players. Yeah, well, ultimately he's joining a team that probably won't be in European competition next season and who, although they make a strides forward, will still be way behind what City have done in, in the last decade. But that's that's probably enough on Omar we, for now and for part Are we one. not going to talk 115? Do you want to talk 115? <laughs> Let's talk 115. Okay, because Patrice said put on the notes, I thought, do we really go into 115? I mean, you love it. Go on, I Ty. love it. I love it. Well, I got accused I mean, of only talking about 115 since Omar went to United. So that's. Um, well, Omar leaving oh. means, I mean, I'm not even going to joke about what it could mean because I'll, I'll probably get clipped out of context. But, you know, <laughs> that, there are the conspiracy theorists who say, well, Omar leaving can only mean one thing, can't it? Yeah. Well, the thing to sort of. From what I have taken from it and what people have spoken, people who've spoken to me about it, um, well, purely from what I know of what Omar has done, he is involved in the, like I say, the commercial activities that are um, that are being alleged to say you've breached Premier League rules. So, you know, he is one of the many people who will be culpable if City are found guilty of these really serious crimes. Um, so, you know, he when uh, City got exonerated f- by the Court of Arbitration for Sport um, in 2020, um, 
you know, there was a there was a selfie taken by City bosses that was very quickly deleted. He was on that selfie, so you know, he's quite an important guy and was quite had quite a big interest in what would happen to City at Cass. Um and the Premier League case, as far as we can tell, is very similar. So the fact that United have chosen this guy to appoint him as the first CEO really of the Ratcliffe regime would suggest that they're fairly confident that they won't be having to ask him to resign or sack him next year, probably when all the verdict comes out. Um, I mean, you, you could say that maybe they're taking the view that, um, you know, they'll take him for what he's worth until 2025. And if, um, City are found guilty, then they'll just get a new CEO. Um, I would say, and you will know better than me, um, covering United a bit more than I do. Like it would go like the press coverage would be awful if they had to sack Barada, let's say. Yeah. Well, it would undermine uh, everything they've tried to do if they're tr- acting like they've turned the corner but yeah. they've not actually done background checks or fully sort of planned for the future. It would undermine their, their whole project. You know, you, you could also say, well, maybe they just don't think City will be punished for it, but you're not going to be punished for it if there's not enough evidence to um, to punish you for it. So, you know, you would. I think you have to see, you know, Barada being a, a flagship signing for the Ratcliffe era as um, kind of indirect backing for City in their case um against the Premier League because United clearly aren't expecting blowback from appointing him. Yeah. I mean I'm again I'm not gonna make a joke about it because you know it's gonna be it could be taken out of context. Um are you all one one five out then? Is that you done? Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just like it's very surprising um that once again so many people are commenting on things um that are like there in the cast verdict and the cast judgment and people have like made their mind up United fans that he wasn't involved at all and it's like it is there in black and white like it's may not mention him by name but you don't really have to look very far to see it and this isn't to say either like oh he's a really bad guy because City still maintain their innocence and say they've done nothing wrong so you know, United have hired this guy because they think he's done a terrific job in business, surely, not because he's cheated, but it's just quite funny because United fans have been saying for ages about, you know, City's success being down to cheating and now they've hired someone who could ble- could be implicated in that if City are found to have cheated, despite the fact that they insist they're innocent. So um, it's, yeah, like I said, I think I, think I am 115 out for now. I'm sure we will go again when Everton get docked 50 points. Yeah. If you can't beat them, join them. And you can join us for part two of the podcast after this short break. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast then from the Manchester Union News. Um, yeah, we've one one five out. We're barraded out. Um, we are barraded out this summer as well at Man City. Um, Sire then, the Premier League at the weekend, convincing wins for Liverpool and Arsenal. I mean, I know there may be a perception that, that City will at some point just walk away like they do with their squad depth and the talent they have, but for the neutrals at least, it's looking pretty exciting again. Arsenal kind of straight into it against Palace, big win. Liverpool had to fight for it at Bournemouth and uh, really kind of struggled in that first half, but they picked themselves up and uh, you know, four 0 at Bournemouth is is a really good result. City so going there at the end of February and would sort of bite your hand off for a a one nil, let alone a four nil. So it's it's shaping up to be very good. And Liverpool in particular look look the team to beat. It's five point lead for them at the top now. Uh, City have a game in hand, but still Liverpool are looking like they could put something big together. Do you have your own sort of gut instinct? Have you changed your mind at all? Were you? Very much of the thought, like I was, that you know City will just do what City do in the second half of the season, where they hit these unsustainable almost points tallies and they don't really drop a thing. Do you see it being as tight as ever? Another one of these titles that could go down to goal difference, could go down to the final day? I think it'll be tight. I think, um, I don't know, I feel like a month ago, we, everyone had made up their mind and said, oh, it's the most competitive Premier League title race ever. <laughs> Um, everyone can beat everyone, you know. Arsenal Villa, Villa are going to win it. Arsenal yeah, Villa yeah. Gonna... You know they beat City and Arsenal in a week, and now I'm looking at it, and I sort of totted up the numbers this uh, this morning, and like I think Liverpool can still get 99 points, and City can still get 97, and I'm kind of wondering is it going to be another kind of pull away from both of those teams, and sort of a, a high quality title race, and Arsenal I think can probably get to similar. Um, yeah, maybe 97 like City, but I, I'm expecting it to be between City and Liverpool. Because um, those two teams really seem to have the momentum and the quality. And, you know, Liverpool have been getting wins all season, sort of coming from behind. And then to to win 4-0 without Salah and Alexander-Arnold is another kind of real show of intent yeah Yeah. so it it feels at the minute like it might be another City Liverpool shootout mentioned there a team winning without some of the best players for Man City John Stones getting close to his return what's the latest on him then yeah he's back in training he did his first session at the weekend I don't think he did a full session but it was at least some of it uh, which is good news because he'd kind of been slated in for a return the end of Jan, um, you know, they've got Tottenham away in the FA Cup and then Burnley at home in the league. So, yeah, maybe Burnley might be the one to target for for Stones. Um, Akanji and Haaland might not be as, as quickly back. Um, so, 
Yeah, still still key players out for City, but I mean De Bruyne is still still going well and looking like he's not suffered any real uh repercussions to his his comeback. Um training well out there in, in Abu Dhabi where they are for, for a week. So I yeah, the sto- it, it will be good for C to get Stones back because they're just a better team with him in it. Um but obviously still waiting on a kanji and the big one in, in Haaland. I guess as well as the uh, the cautionary aspect you have to take with it as well because I mean I'm just looking at, at the fixture list now obviously like you said Spurs on, on Friday night but from then on you play Wednesday against Burnley then you've got Brentford on the Monday Everton that weekend and the week after it's Copenhagen and, and, and Chelsea you know, there's a lot of games coming up and you can't really be taking risks with players can you when there's there's so much more on the horizon already and again this is the sort of time of season where City squad depth usually does I know City will always downplay their strongest squad as they say it is but it is one of those aspects where you put someone like Oscar Bob can come off the bench and, and do a job for you you've got all these players who will will improve you so maybe don't need to to rush it back on, on terms of the injury front but obviously it'd be a boost when City have them available I mean you talk about sort of running themes on this podcast it's the Calvin Phillips Claxon. <laughs> He's still here. <laughs> United haven't poached him. He's still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. It was funny. I saw a, a headline saying, "Oh, West Ham's West Ham showed against Sheffield United. They need Phillips because there wasn't any control." And you sort of thought back to is this the um, guy that Pep said fries in the chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't play him precisely because he doesn't give them any control. It's he's he's still here. What day are we on? The twenty second of Jan, so the last ten days of the window. We're still in a position where Phillips is expected to leave. Uh West Ham are now the front runners to to get him, but they've still got to sort out a a deal with, with City. They just seem more amenable to that than the Newcastle, but then Newcastle are in, you know, about twenty four hours ago Newcastle was selling no one and now every Everyone's one gone. of their players has got a a big money move away. So maybe they've got the <clears throat> the money now and sort of fresh impetus to come back for Phillips. Um, you know, ultimately he needs good months of playing regularly. And that's what he's asking anyone who wants to, to take him if, if they can guarantee him that. And I think West Ham with their, with their issues can do. Um, How would it be viewed at City then, Si, if, if Phillips did just remain here, would it not really change much? I mean, a waste well, opportunity for the the player. That's kind of the the, I suppose a, a a positive for him, but also damning of him that it wouldn't really make a difference to City whether he stayed or left. Um, you know, he he is is positive for him because he's such a good influence in the dressing room, and you know, he saw he's, that at Newcastle as well when the goal went in. I noticed his celebration on the bench and how much it meant to him. I was like, you know. Fair play. You could just sort of be sulking there, but he obviously is still a part of it. Yeah, yeah. And he was, you know, jumping on top of his teammates. He was hugging Pep at the end. So so he is a, a full member of the squad. So, you know, everyone would love to have him around for for another five months or whatever's left in the season. It's just Pep's not going to play him. So if he wants to play, uh, and he's also in a position where, you know, Rico Lewis is going to be getting a lot more minutes than him just does he really want to sort of risk Southgate coming to City on the off chance he gets a game and it's Rico Lewis in fact who who runs the show who's already like on that England radar now 
Um, I think he he just needs to move. And I, I've said, you know, I'd said for ages, he should have had a, a move lined up at the beginning of the window, but it, it's proved difficult with people sort of struggling or not being willing to match what, what City want for him and sort of him not being able to knock that that down enough. Um, but he should, he, he, he just needs to move if he wants to do what he said he'd do. Yeah, especially like I said, with the European Championship coming up, it is. It has to be something he has to force for himself, and maybe even not. I'm not saying drop to a level he wouldn't do anyway, because I said West Ham could could be a good option for him. But you just need to to force it out because, like you said, it's very damning that City would be quite alright to keep him as well. You shouldn't just sort of settle for that that security, really, considering the pedigree of a player he was. I mean, it's very easy to forget how well how big a signing he was for City, isn't it? But you know, they fought hard to get him. They, they wanted him I mean I know you will have gone over it time and time again I mean do you just think he's been the wrong player at the wrong time for City or do you think he was just never the right guy to begin with yeah it's hard to say um, you know we talk about the the hit rate that, that Omar Barada and Chiki Bagiristin have had um, and Phillips is one of the most glaring misses probably one of the only misses in the last five years I'd say um, because but nobody really thought it at the time everyone so great signing can be back up for Rodri and you know more England internationals for the team I think he just won England player of the year um, and he's just not really risen to the challenge he's not fit in I can't remember him having a good game for City so he's just com- and, and that as well goes back to you know the City um, kind of infrastructure and environment just some people just aren't made for it and that doesn't make them bad players or um, you know, anything like that. It, it just means they're not quite right for this particular, um, almost unique club. To- we spoke about that wider sort of machine when you spoke about Barada, and it's the same in terms of the squad structure, isn't it? That sometimes like a less talented individual player will just be a better fit for what City need and what they do. And you've sometimes seen that with the players that Pep treasures the most. It's not always the most talented player in the squad who is a Pep player who he absolutely adores it's just someone who he can just rely on and just ha- brings him that consistency yeah and you know you saw like Kovacic coming from City and just immediately settle um, and his qualities of sort of being comfortable receiving the ball with his back to goal and turning and distributing are, are different from those of Phillips now you know you might say why Phillips kind of hasn't uh, you know, why did they sign him if he didn't have that, those qualities? I, I think there was a bit of, um, you know, I'm not sure he was exactly the same player when he came back from his long-term injury at Leeds. Um, but at the same time, you look at Nunes, who's not necessarily like playing every week, but when he comes on, he shows something a bit different with what he does and it might not be what you expect him or what you expect of someone in his position when you've watched Gundogan for seven years. But it is still something that is productive. Um, whereas like I say with, with Phillips, you just, I don't know whether he's just sort of so out of, uh, so sort of not, not as confident with having the ball so much or, um, it, it's probably just, things that feels like it snowballs as well. The longer he doesn't play, the less he has confidence, the more he overthinks things. And maybe when he knows it leads, he is the poster boy and, He's just doing things without even thinking about it. It was just so natural to him, but there's so much more pressure and scrutiny at City. And the longer it goes on, there's even more pressure and scrutiny. 
it is almost seems to have reached this breaking point where he can't be played because he's become a liability. And even when he plays, he's struggling to break that mold himself. He's almost trying too hard to do the basics at times that he can't do them. It just feels like he needs that yeah, clean break. Yeah, and, do. yeah, and it's rare to see Guardiola at such a loss. You know, he just just sort of genuinely feels like that he can't see how he fits into the team. And for a man who can play Fabian Delph at left back and come up with all these crazy scenarios. Um, the fact that he can't play a midfielder in midfield is is quite alarming. Uh, it's it just, it's all gone horribly wrong. Any other business you expect for the end of the window? Or is it just a no? Um, they're going to sign the uh, the Argentine, the Echeverri, for about 20 million, I think. But he will stay at River um, for at least six months. He's not going to be seen in Manchester for for a while um but that you know it will be a significant deal and a substantial deal and it's city trying to sort of follow the um the alcaraz the alvarez trail yeah not alcatraz um alvarez trail and sort of unearth another south american gm for uh, for not very much money, so uh, yeah. obviously he's we much younger. We talk about five, and you throw Alcatraz in there. I mean, Illuminati <laughs> works in mysterious ways, doesn't it? I mean, fill in the gaps yourself. Uh, yeah, I think that's all for for today's podcast, isn't it? Uh, si, thank you very much as always for joining us on the Talking City podcast. A pleasure. Thank you very much again to whoever, wherever you are, and whoever you are, and wherever you are. Uh, in the world we will be back on Monday to look back at what happened in City's FA Cup clash with Tottenham and look ahead like we said to that game against Burnley next week uh, thank you very much for joining us on the Talking City podcast please leave a review and subscribe if you haven't already the video will be out on YouTube probably on our social media platforms as well take care and we'll see you again next week next week